Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 17. It can be found on page 1116 if you've got one of the Blue Church Bibles. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door! You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the believers about this, he said. And then he left for another place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now let's stand again as we hear the words of the Gospel. It's from Matthew's Gospel this morning. Chapter 5 and verses 9 to 15. Alleluia, alleluia, I am the first and the last, says the Lord, and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Alleluia. So hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Page 980. Jesus speaking to his disciples. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And so, Lord, may you speak through my inadequate words into our hearts. Give us ears to hear your voice, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to focus this morning on that uh, passage from Acts chapter 12. And uh, with this sort of passage, it would be really easy to focus on all the action and the drama. Peter's miraculous escape from prison. But as I've spent time with Acts 12 in recent days, I've been struck not so much by the action, exciting though it is, but by what's going on in the background. The church is undergoing persecution, and Herod, that's Herod Agrippa I, the grandson of Herod the Great, didn't have any time for these Christians. He went out of his way to make life hard for them, and we read of arrest and imprisonment and persecution and death. And he seems to be using his power to help him win favour with the wider Jewish community. But in the midst of this, we read in verse 5, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. Peter's the one on the front line. He's the big hero. He gets the most airtime. But it's the prayers of the church that enable him to keep going and in the mystery of God's provision lead to his miraculous escape. I wonder how much importance we each give to prayer. Many of us here like to be busy and active and involved. I don't particularly like the description, but Christchurch is often described as a busy church. We've got a lot of things going on, a lot of things happening. And many of us like to make things happen and be part of that. But for those of us with such a tendency, there's a real danger that even if our motivation is right, we can so easily fall into the trap of self-reliance. Prayer is not an optional extra. Or an activity just for super pious. It's for all of us. A precious gift from God to help see his purposes unlocked. And as we pray, things happen. That's why we're refocusing once again on prayer with thy kingdom come. And why prayer is such a big part of Christchurch life. I'm sure many of you will have heard J. John the Evangelist, a fantastic communicator, preaches to thousands all around the world and he tells a great story about prayer couldn't possibly tell it as well as he did but um, we'll have a go there is a bit of a health warning if you're a cat lover and he tells a story about uh, a family and this family they'd acquired a new kitten and they were playing with their little kitten in the garden one day and the kitten got spooked by something and ended up climbing up a tree and got stuck between two sharp branches. 
And it just couldn't get out, and it was meowing away, and it was in great distress. And the family tried to get to the little kitten, but because of the branches, it was too difficult to get up into the tree. But the father of the family, he was a pastor, he was a minister, he was always coming up with great ideas. And he said, don't worry, daddy, to the rescue. I'm going to get my car, I'm going to get a rope, I'm going to tie the rope around the tree, I'm going to tie it onto the car, I'm going to get in the car, I'm going to drive it for a bit, and then the tree will come down, then we'll be able to manoeuvre around, and we'll be able to save the little kitten. And everyone said, yeah, daddy to the rescue, daddy to the rescue. And so daddy gets his car, he gets a rope, he ties the rope around the tree, tries the other, ties the other end onto the car, gets into the car, and he begins slowly, slowly, slowly to drive. And the tree's bending and bending and bending, and the car's moving. And as the car moves, and as the tree bends, the rope snaps. And as the rope snaps, the tree flings back, and the little cat goes flying in the opposite direction. And that's the end of the story. No, it's not, actually. Two weeks later, the pastor is visiting a member of his congregation. And he knocks on the door, and the door opens, and there's a lady standing in the doorway. And she says, Pastor, do come in. And as he walks in, he sees behind her little Kitty. He knew it was unmistakable. He could tell by the markings. And he didn't want to say to her, That's my kitten. It wasn't very pastoral. So he said, That's a lovely little kitten you've got. How long have you had him? And the, the lady says, Pastor, you're not going to believe it. It was two weeks ago, and I was out in the garden with our little son Johnny, and Johnny said, Mummy, Mummy, please can we have a kitten? And I said, No, we're not going to have a cat. We've discussed this many times. We just can't manage a cat. But Pastor, he pestered me and he pestered me. And the only thing I could think of doing was saying to him, I'll tell you what, Johnny, what we'll do, we'll kneel down here in the garden and we'll pray to the Lord Jesus. And if the Lord Jesus wants you to have a kitten, he'll give you a kitten. And Pastor, you're not going to believe this. When we pray, coincidences happen. And when we don't, they don't. Would Peter have been released from prison without the prayers of his friends? Well, we don't know. Prayer is a mystery. But as we pray, things happen. Not always in the way we expect, but we believe in the power of prayer. Some of you have been praying for Azim. Azim is a caretaker at Woodlands Church in Bristol. He's a Pakistani Christian, and he's been threatened with deportation back to Pakistan. In fact, in Pakistan, a fatwa has been uh, issued because of his protests against the blasphemy laws and because of his involvement in a campaign called Stop Killing Christians. And the prospect of him returning to Pakistan would have, in all likelihood, led to him receiving a death sentence. And so over recent, recent weeks, the Christian community 
around Bristol and beyond has rallied round. There's been an online petition, there have been letters sent, and there have been, there's been lots of prayer. Yesterday afternoon, I received this email. Heading is Azim released from detention. In the last few minutes, I've been on the phone to Azim, who has been told he can leave the detention centre this afternoon without bail. He is waiting for a Home Office letter explaining why this has been allowed and an update on his status. But it is very good news. Azim was chuckling with joy on the phone and couldn't quite believe it. Thank you for all your support in helping make this part of the journey possible. I will update this site when I have more clarity on the legal position for Azim right now. Meanwhile, a car is on its way from Bristol to collect him, and we are preparing a very large curry. Isn't that fantastic? People have been praying. And I firmly believe that those prayers have played their part. They've made a difference in his situation. What are the things we are praying for as individuals? Who are the people we are praying for as individuals? Neighbours in our family, in our workplaces, in our communities, in our world. We don't always see quick answers, but let's persevere and keep on praying, remembering that it's God's work, not ours. The church, in earnestly praying to God for Peter, was effectively praying, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come in that particular situation. That effectively has been the prayer of the people of God in Bristol and beyond praying for Azim, praying that God's purposes would be worked out. And that should be our prayer in everything we pray. Thy kingdom come. Back in Acts 12, the middle chunk of the passage uh, I read recounts Peter's miraculous escape. And Peter turns up at Mary, mother of John Mark's house. And there's another little phrase in that passage you may have noticed. Verse 12, he went to the house where many people had gathered and were praying. Prayer was such a key mark of the early church's life and witness. In Acts 2, post-Pentecost, we have that wonderful summary of the church's practice, where it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so we've got people earnestly praying and we've got people devoted to prayer. I find those phrases immensely challenging. Can I honestly say that I pray earnestly and I'm devoted to prayer? Do I value the gift of prayer as I should? I find the description that follows in Acts 12 somewhat amusing. Peter knocks on the door and a servant girl, Rhoda, comes to answer. She hears Peter's voice from the other side of the door and rather than opening the door, she leaves him outside and runs around telling everybody, Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door. And they can't quite believe what they're being told anyway. In other words, maybe they don't quite believe that the prayers they've been praying would be answered. And they think that Rhoda, the servant girl, has lost her plot. And it appears that they jump to the conclusion that maybe he's been killed in prison and that it's just some sort of angel, Peter's angel, coming to visit them. But in reality, their prayers have been answered. God has proved himself faithful. 
And eventually they decide to let him in and share in his joy. This passage contains just one of so many examples in Scripture of prayers being answered. And a powerful reminder of the need for us to be a praying community. Keep on praying, because as we pray, things happen. Amen.